Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. Uh, Man, it was great to just be here in the room. Hearing you guys worship is so powerful. Um, I don't know what came over me. I just started singing with them. I was like, give me this mic. Let's worship. But, man, it's training day today. Today I want to talk to you about training faith. We're walking through this series on ridiculous faith. And I just read from James chapter 1, verse 19 through 25, I believe a great text for how to train our faith. There are some great practical ways that James encourages us here in how to train our faith. And so if I could encapsulate this message and this text in one sentence, here's what it would be. Ridiculous faith believes big but starts small. I want to say it one more time. Ridiculous faith believes big but starts small. You see, in order to grow your faith, you have to train your faith. And training starts with small actions. Small daily steps. Like I said earlier, faith is a muscle. And you don't just wake up one morning and your faith is jacked. You don't just wake up one morning and your faith is shredded. Your faith is ripped. It doesn't work that way. The muscle of faith is developed over time and it's developed through small steps, small actionable steps that little by little builds and trains your faith, just like any muscle in your body. You don't just wake up after one workout and and you're exactly how you want to be. It's daily small steps. So we want to have ridiculous faith that believes big. How many want greater faith in 2021? Greater faith for your marriage, for your family, for your future, for your job, for your city. But ridiculous faith is big, but it starts small. We want to have ridiculous faith, but some of you are just building a little bit of faith right now. You're moving up. You're leveling up to the level of ridiculous faith. And so that's what we're going to look at today. Ridiculous faith. So this past week, uh, I took my son to the driving range. We try to go about once a week. Apparently, I'm going to have a golf illustration every Sunday now. Um, but but we, we went to the driving range, and he was really struggling. And every shot, he would top, just top after top. And if you know, don't know what a top is, where you hit the top of the ball so the ball doesn't go into the air, it just kind of skids along the ground. He was topping every iron, his wedges, his driver, and he was getting so frustrated, he turned to me and said, Dad, I'm terrible at golf. And here's the thing, he's not terrible at golf. He's actually very good at golf for a nine-year-old. And I said, you know what, buddy, let's just stop. Let's take a break and let's walk away. Because here's the thing, you aren't terrible at golf. You're just having a bad day. And how many know, even in our faith, we can have a bad day? You see, we could have a bad day, but that doesn't mean we don't have faith. It doesn't mean we're not still close to Jesus. But as human beings, we're going to have bad days. And here's what happened. A a few days later, I said, hey, let's go back. Let's go hit balls again. He's like, Dad, I'm terrible at golf. I said, no, you're not. Let's go hit balls again. So three, four days later, we go back to the range, and he hits the first shot. Perfect. The next shot, perfect. And he had the best range session of his life. 
hitting bombs as bombs for a nine-year-old. And I was like, see, buddy, you had a bad day, but you're not a bad golfer. And I think in this day, in this week, we had a bad day. Some of us had a bad week, and maybe it was bad for our faith, but I want to tell you that if we commit to actionable, small, daily steps, we may have bad days, but that doesn't mean that our faith is not growing. It doesn't mean that we're not still developing the ridiculous faith that God wants us to have. And so sometimes we have a setback and we think that that now is who we are. We have a moment where we get mad at our wife and on some of you this morning, you got ready for church and you're all yelling at each other, yelling at your kids, yelling at your wife. And suddenly you start to think that's who I am. That is what my faith is, but we can have bad days, but that doesn't mean that we have bad faith. God wants to tell us today and show us today that he can train our faith if we commit to small daily steps. So let me talk to you today. I want to give you some steps to train your faith. Today's going to be really practical. Steps to train your faith, looking at James 1, 19 through 25. First is you have to learn to control your mouth, your ears, and your emotions. You see, training your faith starts with training your mouth, training your ears, training your emotions. The text here says, know this. You hear that? Know this, my brothers. Let every person, not some people, not just some weeks, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I think in today's culture, we actually have defined our lives by the opposite of this. And we say, I'm slow to listen, I'm quick to speak, and I'm all right with getting angry. I want to get angry quick. Why? Because I'm just, I'm passionate. You see, we have real issues with this today. We think it's the opposite. And I got to be real with you because this week I was quick to speak. And my wife is fasting social media for these 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I was like, Lord, why didn't you tell me to do that? It would have saved me some stress and headache this week. But she was fasting. She didn't even know what was happening, you know, earlier in the week. And I had to tell her. And I was like, babe, you got to hear what I said. I was like, check this out. And I was telling her all my, my posts. And she's like, what's wrong with you? I was like, what do you mean? I'm bringing truth. I'm a leader. She's like, no, you need to be quiet. You are so quick to speak. You are slow to listen. And, and I realized, like, man, why am I not following the very text that I'm preaching this week? I already had this text set. I was already working on the message. And yet I got pulled in to what this culture does to us. Obviously, we saw this week what happens when we don't control our emotions. When we don't control our anger. This text goes on. And it says in verse 20, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And I was thinking about this because, look, Anger is natural as human beings. We will get angry, but the Bible says be angry and yet do not sin. And so what I started to realize and recognize and looking around at our culture and some of you on social media and myself on social media, I realized that this anger I felt was the anger of man. 
You see, we can be angry and not, and not sin, but only if the anger is rooted in the righteousness of God. It's a righteous indignation. But what happens is some of us, and even this week, we thought we, were, we had righteous indignation, but what we really had was the anger of man. And we saw what the anger of man produced by actions. And so I want to challenge you that you would stop, you would step back, you would be slow to speak, quick to listen, and say, God, is my anger from you, or is this the anger of man? Because the anger of man will not produce the righteousness of God. The anger of man will actually lead me to do things I wouldn't normally do, to say things I wouldn't normally say, to, to act in ways I wouldn't normally act. And that's why we must learn to control our mouths. Control our ears. Control our emotions. I mean, let's be real. James goes on and it talks to us about how fiery and evil the tongue is. You see, the tongue is the hardest thing to tame in your body and on your body. It's a fiery evil. And we can very quickly allow our tongue to dictate and lead our lives. And I've been caught in that. In fact, I believe I was even caught in that this week. And so I had to step back and my wife said, delete your posts. And I said, but, but Chrissy, I'm leading. And she said, no, you're not thinking. You're speaking. And so I had to click delete real quick, delete a few things. And then do a little damage control with some people. You know what's crazy though is, I had some people reach out to me. They messaged me, direct messaged me, and we began to talk. It was interesting that once I began to talk to these people that I knew, the emotions subsided. And then I saw the person. And what I thought was a divide actually became a moment of unity. What I thought was a, a person that just didn't see it right and didn't see it the way I saw it became a moment of me seeing their humanity and who they were. And so I want to challenge us that we would train our faith by controlling our mouths, our ears, and our emotions. That we would be slow to anger, slow to speak, and quick to listen. The next step to train your faith is you got to remove the trash. Everybody say, it's trash. You see, verse 21 tells us, it goes on, it says, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Did you see that? Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. I want to ask you, what do you need to remove from your life today? I told you this was going to be practical. What do you need to remove from your life this week? What wickedness? What filth? Yesterday, my wife had the bright idea to do a purge and cleaning day in our house. And I wasn't excited about it. But I said, all right, babe, like, let's do it. Let's get the kids. And so all morning, we had our kids working. And we were working. And we were purging. And we were trashing. We were throwing things away. And, and it was crazy that I had become, become comfortable with the trash. I become comfortable with the mess because I thought, it's not that bad in here. But then when, once we started going room by room, place by place, and we purged and trashed. All of a sudden, I looked around, and it was like a weight had been lifted. The place seemed so much more open and free and clear, and I felt better. And I was like, oh, my goodness, 
I think that some of us have trash and filth in our lives, but we become comfortable with it. So much so that we don't even recognize it. And so what I wanted to ask you to do this week, right now, is to say, man, let me take an assessment of my life. What trash, what wickedness am I allowing to stay in my life? I become comfortable with that I need to expel, that I need to get rid of, that I need to throw away. Even my kids, we made them go through and we're like, if you haven't played with it in a year, it's going in the trash. They're like, Dad, that's my toy. I'm like, you haven't played with this in a minute. Trash. We went through. And, and guess what? Once we trashed a ton of stuff, they walked in the room like, wow. Our room feels so nice. It feels so clean. We become comfortable. The message version puts it this way. Instead of put away filthiness and rampant witness, wickedness, it says, throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. Poisonous, spoiled virtue, cancerous evil, throw it in the garbage. We have to assess ourselves today. We have to assess ourselves this week. And I think today, uh, like I said, this is training day. I want to have ridiculous faith, but that may mean that I have to get down in the weeds and pull out some junk that shouldn't be there. I got to go through my rooms of my life, and I got to clean out some of the trash that is actually pulling me away, not just from God, but from greater faith. Not just from greater faith, but from a greater life. And God wants you to have more. He wants you to live at a greater capacity, in greater freedom. And that may mean ripping some stuff and trashing some stuff today. We have to remove the trash. Third, if we're going to train our faith, we have to receive the word. Everybody say receive it. We got to receive the word. Verse 21 tells us, it says, put away all this stuff. And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. It was pretty cool this week. Uh, I actually text, or on January 1st, I text a bunch of dudes. And I was like, hey, if any of you want to jump in, I'm doing this reading plan. I text a few guys. And I was like, you can share it with whoever you want. And then people started sharing it. And before you knew it, we had like 30-some guys in a reading plan together on the YouVersion Bible app reading the Bible through in a year. There's actually a little tag at the end of every day where you can write in uh, what you're learning or what God is speaking to you from the word. And every day I'm watching these guys write things that God is speaking to them from the word. Listen to me. The word of God, it tells us here, will save our souls. When we receive the word of God, it saves us. And so the fact that you're here today is so important. The fact that you're watching online today is so important. Because what you're doing is you're positioning yourself to receive the word. And, and sometimes people ask me, like, why does it feel like Sundays are so centered around, like, the word that's being brought, the sermon that's being brought? Like, you guys really focus on the series. Why? Because the word is what saves your soul. Not what I'm saying, but what the word of God is saying. And so we're going to center these Sundays on the word because the word is what sets us up for the life that God wants us to have. It's what's going to help us to assess and purge and train in the way he wants us to train. Why? Because it builds our faith. And God wants you to have ridiculous faith. He wants you to have greater faith. But it doesn't happen overnight. It takes work. It takes training. You have to receive the word. Listen to me. You can't receive it if you never read it. 
You can't receive it if you never hear it. You can't receive truth if you don't surround yourself with truth. And so today, you've done something, and I'm so encouraged, but what they're saying right now is that more and more people are leaving the church. More and more people aren't attending in person. More and more people aren't even watching online anymore. And what we're doing is we've stopped engaging with the word. And if we don't receive the word, we're not going to walk in truth. If we don't receive the word, our faith is going to little by little diminish. And before we know it, we aren't even hoping for ridiculous faith. We're just hoping to have a sliver of faith. And I'm watching that play out with people in our very church who have disengaged. With people that I know who have disengaged, not from what they thought they were supposed to do, but from the word of God, which they don't realize is what saves them. So today, a reminder for us in training is that we would commit ourselves to the word. You see, we can't just receive the word. We have to next practice the word. You see, it's one thing to receive it and say, that's a good word, pastor, like y'all are doing today. Oh, that, amen, pastor, that's a good word, pastor. I received that, pastor. It's one thing to receive it. It's another thing to do it. It's another thing to put it into practice. Training your faith is about doing, not just hearing. Verse 22 tells us, but be doers, or we say doers, of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And then he goes on. And he gives this amazing illustration where he tells us, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. I almost titled this message, The Man in the Mirror. Because I'm starting with the man in the mirror. But this illustration is so amazing because I want you to think about your face. Everybody close your eyes right now. Close your eyes. I want you to picture your face. I don't know if I've ever done this. You've probably never done this in your life. I want you to picture your face, your beautiful face, your handsome face. I want you to picture all the perfections and all the flaws. I want you to picture yourself right now. All right, open your eyes. Now what's amazing in this illustration is he actually says, if, if you're a person who hears the word but doesn't do the word, you're someone who takes a look in the mirror. So everybody look, you see yourselves? Can you see yourselves? Let me get this side. You guys look good over there. Let me get online. Can you see yourself online? You're that camera in the middle of the room. It says that if you hear the word but you don't do it, oh, blinding, isn't it? If you hear it, but you don't do it, you're like a person who walks away from the mirror and you forget what you look like. You don't even remember your face, which seems impossible. I'm guessing when you all closed your eyes, you were able to picture yourself, to picture your face. Here's what I believe has happened. Especially... This last year, I think that Christians have forgotten who they are. I think as Christians, we've forgotten what we look like. We look in the mirror and we walk away not knowing who we are. 
Why? Because we have been hearers but not doers. We've forgotten what our primary purpose is. So listen to me, church. I, I came today to remind you who you are. Like Mufasa, he had to tell Simba, he said, remember who you are. Y'all remember this? Nala shows up, and Nala's like, Simba, you got to come back. You're the king. And he's like, nah, Hakuna Matata. It means no worries for the rest of my days. And she's like, what's wrong with you? We're dying. We need you. And he's like, nah, I'm good. And he runs off, and then he lays down, and he looks in the water, and, and he sees his reflection, and then it turns into Mufasa. Mufasa says, remember who you are. And I think the church this last year has forgotten who we are. We've got obsessed with the things of this world. We, we think more about masks, about vaccines. We talk more uh, about politics and politicians and who we should vote for or who we shouldn't vote for. We've got caught up in all the things that 2020 threw at us. And I want to remind us that you have one primary purpose, and that's to point this world to Jesus Christ. That there is hope, and it's not found in a politician. It's not found in the White House. It's found in Jesus, our Savior, our God, our one that came to sacrifice himself for us. We've forgotten who we are. And i got to be honest, I forget at times. It's why I'll get on social media and I'll go on a COVID rant. Because I just want everyone back in church. It's why I'll get on social media and I'll get caught up in the political conversations. I'm not saying you can't engage in that. I'm not saying you can't have an opinion. I'm not saying you can't care about those things. We should care about all those things, who we vote for and who's the president. These are all important things. But they are secondary to our identity as people who bring the hope and the love of Jesus Christ to this world. And we've forgotten who we are. And we got to remember today. We can't keep looking in the mirror and then turning and forgetting. And I'm not just talking to you, I'm talking to me. Because I forget some days. And I forget some weeks. And I forget some moments. And I just wanted to remind you and remind me today that I would remember who I am. If only I had that James Earl Jones voice. Remember who you are. We practice the word. It's not simply enough that we hear. We must do. We must take action. And lastly, today... If we're going to train our faith so that we can have ridiculous faith, we have to persevere with the word. Training your faith takes perseverance. I don't know if you've ever tried to, tried to build something in your life. But how many know it takes perseverance? Anything worth building, anything worth achieving does not come overnight. And it never comes easy. Some of you things come a little more easy than others. Some of you have some things come easier to you than others. But I got to tell you, the things that matter will always take perseverance. The things that matter will always take work. And that's what it says here in verse 25. It says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty. You see, the word of God is a word of freedom. Liberty. Not oppression. 
You see, the world is in bondage to the flesh. And you, at one time, were in bondage to the flesh. Meaning, you could only do what the body wants you to do. You could only do what the flesh wants you to do. This is what the, world, the Word tells us. But the law of the Lord, the Word of God, actually gives us freedom where we no longer are bound by what our flesh wants, but we can actually deny our flesh because we have freedom to do what God is calling us to do. But it doesn't happen overnight, and it doesn't always come easy. It takes perseverance. It goes on and says, and perseveres, verse 25, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. You see, we have to learn to persevere. Following Christ, I believe, is as much about perseverance as it is righteousness. Lauren gave us a great word as he closed out worship when he said righteousness is just about believing. But how many know believing takes perseverance? That every day, even when your flesh tells you not to believe, and the facts tell you not to believe, and even when you don't see it, you still believe that he's working. That takes perseverance. You see, I, I've told some people this before. I met with a pastor from Stockton a year ago, and I told him something that God has told me over and over. I said, look, I'm not the best pastor. I'm not the greatest preacher. I'm not the greatest leader. I'm not the most gifted, not the most talented, none of that. But I've committed in my life that I will endure longer than anyone else. That I will stay, I won't quit, I'll keep going, I'll keep persevering. In my marriage, I'm not the greatest husband, Chrissy will tell you, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm not the greatest father, but my kids know I'm going to be there every morning when they wake up, and I'm going to be there every night when they go to sleep. Am I still trying to improve? Yes. But I'll never be perfect. I'll never be the best. But I will persevere. And I've told, I told my friend in Stockton, I said, listen, I'm committed to persevere. I believe that because I won't quit, I'll be here so long that I'll have more influence than most people that were here years back. Not because I was better, but because I didn't give up. Because I persevered, not in my strength, but in the strength of the Word and my God that lives inside of me. And he called me this week and he told me, he said, Caleb, I wanted you to know, you told me that a year ago. And I wanted to quit so many times during this pandemic because our church was struggling and we're trying to do things online. I was getting so much, you know, flack and people coming at me uh, that I wasn't doing things the right way. But I just kept hearing in the back of my mind, persevere. Just be the last one standing. Just keep going. Just don't quit. And he's like, I want to thank you for telling me that. You see, today, if you're going to train your faith, you have to persevere more than anyone else. You all can think of people right now who've walked away from God. They've turned their back on God. Why? Because things didn't go their way. Because they went through a trial or a struggle. And how many of you know, the Bible tells us that you will experience things. You'll experience struggle. You'll experience trials, tribulations. But it's the one that endures to the end that will be blessed. 
We persevere not in our strength, but in God's, with the word of God implanted within us. It says this, at the very end of this text, it says, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. I want to end with that. Because I think today every one of us would say, Caleb, I want to have a blessed life. And here's what the text actually tells us. It says, training your faith equals stronger faith. And stronger faith equals a blessed life. And a blessed life equals the best life. And so my encouragement and my challenge to you is that this week you would commit yourself to train your faith. Why? Because, as I said at the beginning, ridiculous faith believes big, but it starts small. And as I train my faith, day by day, I pull out the trash. I build the good things. I speak slowly, and I listen quickly, and I manage my anger and my emotions. What happens is my faith gets stronger. And when my faith gets stronger, it says here, if I'm a doer, then I will be blessed in my doing. And as I'm blessed, my life, that's the best. And so today, I want to ask you that you would sit back, you would assess your life, and you would say, God, what do I need to train this week? What do I need to change this week? What do I need to develop? What do I need to lay down? What do I need to grab hold of? What changes do I need to make this week to strengthen my faith? Why? Because if I do, I'm blessed. And God wants a blessed church. Because blessed people release blessings wherever they go. So today, may we train our faith. May we strengthen our faith. May we not forget who we are. May we look in the mirror of the word and allow it to reflect back on us and say, I'm going to take what I'm hearing and what I'm learning and I'm going to become a doer. I'm going to put into practice that which your word is speaking into me and over me. And listen to me, church. There is a God that loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to give us the best life. He said, I have come that may, they may have life and life to the fullest. Some versions say abundant life. The best life. This isn't at the end of the day about just you it comes down to are we going to trust in him and so some of you you heard me talking about training your faith today but you say Caleb I've actually ran from my faith I've turned my back on my faith I've ran from God I've turned my back on God and today he wanted to invite you to come back into right relationship with him because it starts with him and if you start with him if you start centered on him, guess what happens? He will begin to help you to train your faith, to strengthen your faith, to build your faith to a life of ridiculous faith. And he wants a church full of ridiculous faith. So would you bow your heads with me across this room? You're here, you say, Caleb, that's me you're talking about. I've ran from God. I've ran from faith. I actually let go of my faith. I abandoned my faith. I turned my back on faith and on God. 
But today, you've reminded me, and I want to start back centered on Jesus. I want to start back in right relationship with Jesus so he can begin to strengthen my faith once again. If that's you, you need to surrender your heart. You're online or you're in the room. I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three. Go ahead. Put your hand up. Yes, 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 yes. I've seen seven, eight hands. Anyone else? Put it up. Yes. You can put it down. Online, if that's you, I want you to respond to this in prayer as well as everyone in this room. Repeat this after me. Say, Jesus, I need you as the center of my faith. I'm putting you at the center of my life. I'm surrendering what I want, what I think, to you as my Savior. Today, Jesus, wash me clean. Help me to follow you. Not the things of this world, not the desires of my flesh, but you. I love you, Jesus. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's give God some praise in this place. For everybody that made this decision in the room online, can we stand to our feet? We're going to sing one last song. Here's what I want to do. I want you to sing this, and I want this song to be a first step of training our faith that as we sing about even when we don't see it we believe that he's working this is step one of saying i'm training my faith I'm, I'm training it with praise today in this place so lift your voices with us in this place our prayer team is going to make their way forward if you need prayer for anything if you raise your hand to receive jesus they want to pray with you encourage you but can we sing this song as we begin to train our faith this week to believe for greater things. Come on, lift your voices with me, church. Sing it to him. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.